In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The text for this morning's sermon is the Gospel appointed for this 15th Sunday after the Feast of Holy Trinity. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 6th chapter, beginning at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sorrow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thus far the text... Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ speaks words that are familiar to us. Words from the Sermon on the Mount. Those words are familiar to us. I suppose this is kind of obvious. Those words are, ob- are familiar to us because we have them. We have them. We have them in language we can understand. You have copies of them. In the pews where you are sitting, you have Bibles at home. And unless you have successfully insulated yourself from the technological advancements of the last 30 years, You have easy access to them by way of your computers and cell phones on the internet as well. If you don't spend much time in the Bible, it's not because there isn't one available to you or because you can't read it. That was not always so. I thought about reading the Gospel for this morning to you in preparation for the sermon in Latin. I'd have gotten about five words into it and that would have gotten tedious. On Wednesday of last week, we celebrated 
quietly, most of the world never noticed. The 500th anniversary of Luther completing his translation of the New Testament into German. My understanding is that he sent it to the publisher 500 years ago today. And if I miss that by one day, one way or the other, it hardly undermines the point. It had taken him only 10 weeks to translate the entire New Testament, which in my mind is amazing. And we might well laud Luther for that kind of skill with languages, but Luther himself would disapprove of a sermon doing that. So let us turn our focus to where it belongs. Let us turn our eyes to the Lord. The Lord gifted Luther with faith. The Lord gifted him with a mind that could perform the translation work he performed. By way of him, the Lord gifted the people of Germany with the Bible in their own language. I'd like to invite you to imagine what it would have been like if the only Bible you had ever seen was in church, on the pulpit, and in Latin. And then one day, you had a Bible in your own hand speaking to you in your own language. How would you have reacted? Trust me, it's every bit as hard for me to imagine that as it is for you. But try to imagine. You maybe read a little bit of what it had to say. And the natural next thought in your mind would likely be, wow, I wonder what else it says. Only 15% of Germany was literate at the time, so maybe someone was reading it to you. What would you say? Read us some more. Dear ones in Christ, this is well a field from what our Lord specifically addresses in our text this morning, and I want to return to that. But on this of all days, Treasure the gift God has given you, speaking to you in your own language and available so readily that we are tempted to take it for granted. What a great moment in history! For us to renew our love for the Word of God 
and rededicate ourselves to reading it. It takes about five minutes to read a chapter of the Bible. Do not tell me you don't have time. Five minutes a day. If I may crassly borrow from a tennis shoe commercial, just do it. And this does tie into our text this morning. As our Lord challenges us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When I say don't tell me you don't have time, why would one even think to make that excuse? Perhaps because such a person is too busy worrying about questions like, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Especially for those of us who have jobs, perhaps because we are a little too focused on what our Lord calls mammon, that is, earning money, and what we have to do to do that. Dear ones in Christ, I remember when our Lord first called me to serve this congregation. We moved here on my 36th birthday. I'm 60 now. I visited with my two brothers last weekend. The third one, as you know, is already with the Lord. And the reality sinks in more and more as we all continue to advance in years. You're not going to be here forever. We are going to be somewhere forever. So if we're thinking straight, we don't even have to be told the single most important thing we can do with this life is to seek first the kingdom of God. How do we obtain the kingdom of God? The natural answer to that question is another question. Probably, well, if the kingdom of God is a righteous kingdom, what do I have to do in order to make myself righteous? And there are a lot of answers to that question. Every corruption of Christianity, every false religion, every nebulous attempt even to be spiritual without being religious, every single one of those is an attempt to answer that question, 
What do I have to do in order to make myself righteous? The reason they come up with all of these wrong answers, of course, is that they started by asking the wrong question. Reality check. You cannot make yourself righteous. You can't. God is perfect. Heaven is perfect. His standard is perfection. And the admission requirement for heaven is perfect righteousness. Even if you could be perfect from here on out, For the rest of your lives, and of course you can't. But that's bare minimum. It still doesn't do anything to address the sins you've committed up until now, let alone do anything to resolve your imperfect sinful nature. What can I do to make myself Righteous is the wrong question. That's why it's so important to listen carefully to exactly what our Lord has to say. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. His Not your own, His. If we cannot produce our own righteousness, how can we receive a righteousness that is not our own? How can we receive His righteousness? There. Now at least we're asking the right question. And this is where the whole rest of this morning's Gospel comes in. Be loyal to God to the exclusion of any loyalty to money. That doesn't mean don't use it. It just means don't be loyal to it. Trust God and live worry-free because you are confident at all times that God's going to take care of you. Don't worry about food drink, clothes. Don't worry about tomorrow. God will take care of you. Now, you're all people of faith, so you know that this is right counsel. But I wouldn't be surprised if every single one of you gets to worrying about something this week too. And the point here isn't really to eliminate worry from your life. The point here is to have such great faith and confidence in God that you just don't worry. Who does that? Yes, we believe in God, but we all worry about stuff too. And we put great effort into earning 
the money to buy the food and the clothes and so forth. And here's the important distinction. Not just motivated by a godly dedication to our vocations. Not just motivated by a desire to be faithful stewards of the gifts and skills that God has given us. But motivated a little bit by worry too. Motivated by a certain degree, even if we're not conscious of it, of distrust that God will care for you more than the sparrows or the grass. So I asked, who does that? Who really trusts God that perfectly? Who really is that righteous? The answer, of course, is the one who is preaching the sermon. I don't mean this one. I mean the Sermon on the Mount. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself perfectly trusted in God the Father. That didn't get Him out of many days of being hungry. But when He was hungry, He still trusted perfectly in God. It didn't get Him out of facing real and serious temptations. But when He was tempted, He trusted perfectly in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It didn't get Him out of losing His earthly father or experiencing rejection by His own people or being betrayed by one of His own disciples and abandoned by others. And it didn't get Him out of being forsaken by God the Father as He was dying on the cross. But He lived a perfect Thy will be done life up to that point. And He breathed a perfect Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Perfect final words from the cross. Perfectly trusting in the Father unto the very last. Jesus was righteous. That is the point. Jesus lived a perfectly righteous life. Two more very important words. For us. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is to seek the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness that He lived for us precisely because we totally couldn't do it for ourselves. And through faith in Him, His righteousness is given to us. The Holy Scriptures so easily and abundantly available to all of you 
tell us this. So read them. Baptism tells us this too. The Holy Scriptures tell us that whoever is baptized into Christ has put on Christ. In baptism you are clothed with Christ. So look to it. Rejoice that you are baptized ones. Be pleased to lay hold of those gifts afresh every morning as you rise and every evening as you go to bed. Finally, in the Holy Supper, Christ is given to us personally in His body and blood. Is means is. And we learn from the Holy Scriptures that Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. So believe what Jesus Himself says you are receiving in Holy Communion. Rejoice that it strengthens you in faith toward Him and in fervent love toward one another. And live those gifts out to the praise and honor of God. You are gifted a loving God in whom you can trust and live worry-free. Because you are imperfect, you will not perfectly lay hold of that gift in this life. Be not afraid. God will come through for you anyway. All your sins are forgiven you for the sake of the perfect life, the atoning death, and the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.